1: Yeah, it's football season, Tommy's here, I am here. The season opens tonight in Los Angeles, 8:20 kickoff on NBC. The Bills, two and a half point favorites, Tommy, over the Rams in the season opener. The defending champion Rams, coached by Sean McVay, against the Super Bowl consensus favorites, the Buffalo Bills, coached by Sean McDermott. Uh, Both of those men have ties to Washington. McVay was a coach here, and McDermott coached for Ron Rivera as his defensive coordinator for several years at Carolina.
2: Yes. Um, Yes, they did. And the bigger thing for me, uh, going into my course tonight, the business of sports media, which now we're in our eighth year teaching this.
1: It's amazing.
2: Oh, he is! It's amazing. I teach at Georgetown. Period. let <laughs> no. alone for eight eight years.
1: We've covered that but, ground. But and our, you're right.
2: Our big our big discussion will be the the significance of this being on Amazon only, only on Amazon. Well, not Drive. tonight. Not tonight. Is, it isn't.
1: No, that starts with the next week on Thursday night. Tonight is NBC's kickoff. Okay. To the season, yeah. Okay. N- next week, the uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers will be the first Thursday wow. night game on Amazon.
2: Okay, yeah, I stand corrected.
1: That's okay. It's because it's a big deal, the Amazon deal. And remember, they tried um, one of those Saturday games late in the season last year, or the be- uh, or the year before on Amazon, and they had issues with it they had issues i meant to talk to J- john orand about this the last time he was on because there were complaints about the sound not matching up with the video exactly they had some issues uh, also the one game that was on amazon during the preseason and i know it's the preseason but it did not do well very uh, did not do very well in the ratings at all compared to kind of the same spot on network tv a year earlier I mean, I, we understand. Well, they, they, yeah. actually
2: made a, they actually made a deal uh, with Nielsen for Nielsen to expand their ratings to include, uh, I mean, streaming, uh, watching in bars. Uh, I don't know how they're going to encompass doing that, but Nielsen is committed to trying to get as many devices as possible measured. To give it this closely accurate because it's going to be significant, it's going to be lower than, yeah. than it has been. It's just, it's just that the mathematics aren't just going to add up initially.
1: Well, plus, they've added this year that NFL Plus thing, which I think comes with my NFL subscription to the All 22. I think it does, where you can basically now stream every game on your phone. I yeah. don't know if they'll be able to account for that either. Um. which, by the way, can I just add something? And this is not meant to take a shot at the radio broadcast team or the radio broadcast of this team or any other team. But you know, um, and many of you who are listening know, that for the first time in a very long time, the games are not going to be uh, on the Team 980, which has been the flagship home for the Redskins and for the Washington football team, you know, the last two years for, you know, going back to 2000 and I don't know, 2004 or something like that, whatever it was. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's moved over to iHeart uh radio, but you know, at the time people were asking me, Oh, this is a big blow to the station. And I said, very matter of factly, but very honestly, it really isn't. And I, you know I tried to explain that you know 1067, the fan who has been a, a major sports talk radio station in town for you know whatever it's been now, 10 years, something like that, um, didn't have ha- 2009. Yeah, didn't have the games. Um, a lot of major sports talk stations and markets don't carry games. And the, the truth of the matter was the team went with the the outfit, outfit that decided to pay a lot more, than the Team 980 was offering, which, by the way, I think the team made the right decision. But I'm saying all of this to get to this. I just don't think as many people—well, it's not that I think. I know that not as many people listen to games on radio anymore. As much as I love radio broadcasts and certain radio broadcasters over the years— you have, you know, basically a demographic of radio game listeners that are like well over the age of 50 years old. Young people don't yeah. listen to games on radio and now that, you know, you can essentially get most games on your phone, you know, a, a, the, the actual broadcast, the the, the television broadcast of the games on your phone, it will become even less significant. A lot of the, you know, iconic play-by-play announcers, which many of them are in the college ranks, Tommy, you know, a lot of them, whether they are, you know, dying off or retiring, are being replaced by young 28-year-old guys that'll do it for next to nothing. Because, you know, the the listening to games – is just becoming. It was a big part of your life. It was a big part of my life, but it's not. Yeah. It, it's it's going to continue to be less, you know, important as you're able to access these games on your phones, um, you know, which you can do, you know, pretty much anyway. Anyway, anyway, uh, know, anyway. But, already, but
2: you're always. You're always going to have a segment of the population that is going to be physically. Rest- unable yeah. to watch a game yes. on a particular day, but couldn't, can listen to it, you know, whether it's work or or some other kind of issue. There's always going to be a segment of the population that's going to need that, that's going to need that audio in order to be able to catch the game. Well, but it's I, certainly not what it used to be, obviously.
1: Well, one of the results of FedEx Field turning into Ghost Town Field is that, you know, a lot of people that used to go to the games don't go to the games anymore. So they're out doing other things during the games. And some of those people in recent years have said, yeah, I, 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 I listened to the game. I was in my car. Usually I'm you know, dead set in front of the TV or I'm at the game, uh, but I'm not as interested anymore. But I'll flip on the radio to get, you know, a quick update on what, what's going on in the game. You know, and you have also, which you've always, always had, you have the parents with younger kids who have sporting events all weekend long. And trust me, I went through this phase where you're out and about and it's like, you know, you'd rather probably be home watching the game that's on, uh, but you don't have any choice. But again, even in those situations, unless you're in your car and you're the driver, you're going to be able to watch the games on your phone wherever you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when you watch games, or you're at
2: work and they, or you're at work and they don't let you watch it, but you can listen to it.
1: Yeah, right. Although yeah. I think a lot of those people will sneak a peek at their phone to watch it if they can. If they're sitting in their de- at a desk or Boy, they wouldn't, moving around.
2: They wouldn't get away with that if you were their boss. You're a real <laughs> cat <master. laughs> We had a
1: little incident earlier, which I'll get to here in a moment, but. If you are going to watch the games, or are you're going to listen to the games, um, you know you might be interested in betting on the games. And if you don't have a place to bet on the games, I would suggest, I would more than suggest, I would advocate heavily for my bookie. My bookie is fair. Uh, the pricing is excellent, and their offer right now really is as good as it gets for a promotional offer to. Kick off this season, whether you're a veteran better or a first timer. My bookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus. It's quick, it's easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 into your account, and you can use those funds to bet instantly on as many games and props as you want. To claim that bonus, register at mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC, DC and it, it, I've mentioned this many times because some of you have said something's already in the promo code, Sheehan, erase it. You can erase what's in the promo code if, it's, if something's already written in there and then write Kevin DC. Uh, your winning season begins today, hopefully exclusively at my bookie. No smell test pick uh, for me on the Thursday night game, but we will pick the game. And, yeah, Tommy, Tommy you know, he, he, I think he does this every year and he doesn't even realize it. I sent him earlier this morning, I sent him a list of things, which I never do, ever. I never send you, hey, this is what we're going to talk about today. Be prepared. Do I ever do that?
2: No, you never do.
1: I never do that. Because you know why I don't? Except now. Do do you know why I don't do that? Why? Because I, I, I know you'll be ready. And I know even if you're not ready, you will come up with a take or a response or you will initiate something that will be better than if you had planned for it. But today, I sent Tommy a quick note and I said, look, today is the day we do our NFL predictions because you're not on Friday show uh, and the NFL season opens tonight. And every year, and it seems like every year you don't remember doing this, we pick the AFC playoff teams, the NFC playoff teams, the Super Bowl matchup, and then we pick the Washington season, you know, prediction of their record, the NFC East uh, standings, what it'll look like at the end of the year. And I did add a couple of other things. I added, you know, your AFC MVP, your NFC MVP. You know, kind of a a sleeper team and maybe a team that'll disappoint. And and then one bold prediction. And what did you send me back when I sent this?
2: Are you on drugs?
1: (laughs) No. You sent that. You texted that to me. In your email, you wrote, uh, this, no, too much. (laughs) Meaning the only thing, and you put the only thing you were ready to do, actually you put the only thing you were ready to do was NFC East predictions with one bold prediction per team. And I I, I, I emailed him back in in capital letters, do it, exclamation point, exclamation point. (laughs) Let
2: me tell you what this is like. This is like not riding a bike for like a year Mm -hmm. and then going out for a 50-mile bike ride. Okay? You didn't just give me, like, a couple of crumbs. <laughs> You've been walking a You gave a me lot. a whole plate. You know, this is unbelievable. I mean, my wife said to me, Jesus, what are you doing? What are you writing? What is all this paperwork? And I said, it's this guy I'm working for. It's unbelievable. Working for. I mean... Boss. He doesn't ask me to do anything all year, uh-huh. and now he asked me to write the Constitution of the United
1: States. <laughs> well, I think the running of the fifty miles is a better analogy because you could probably write the Constitution without much prep work. But you have been walking a lot. You've been walking a lot. You've been you know catching up with friends a lot. Um, I understand that this is you know a little bit uh, of extra labor for you because you're not into all of the off-season thinking about the NFL. You start watching it, and then you you talk about what you see when the regular season games begin, and I can appreciate that. I wish I could do that um, because, really, that's all I'm interested in. But, you know, this podcast talks a lot about the, the local football team that plays at Ghost Town Field and the rest of the league. In fact, we have to talk about the rest of the league because more years than not – the local team that plays at Ghost Town Field become they become less of a story as the season goes along. No, I.
2: You're, you're, well, I'm ready. You are ready. I'm ready. Yes, I am. I've got. I, I worked my ass off this morning.
1: All right. Well, we're going to do that in the, within and,
2: within within limitations.
1: Well, we're going to do that in the upcoming segment. All right. I wanted to read this to you okay. real quickly because I saw this story right before the show started. You know, the World Cup is in November in Qatar, which is, I think, the correct pronunciation of Q-A-T-A-R. Yes, um, and the uh, recently, they um, cleared the hurdle to sell alcohol at these games. But there is a dire warning from the uh, World Cup and the Qatar government, and that is fans traveling to the 2022 World Cup will not be able to take alcohol for personal consumption into Qatar. You can't bring any alcohol with you into the country and then you cannot bring any alcohol with you into these games. Because if you do, you're in big trouble in that country. This isn't a taking the, you know, taking your flask, as you walk through the turnstile at Ghost Town Field and saying, "Nap, sorry, this is out. This is going to go in the trash. This is six months in prison." So for those, I mean, it's, it's
2: amazing that that the World Cup is there. I mean, it really is amazing. It's it's unbelievable how corrupt FIFA is. It's, it's just it's, they're they're like a they're like a mob family. You know? Yeah. yeah you want to pay us to have the World Cup? In this obscure little uh, country where you can go to jail uh, for, for looking at a woman the wrong way? Absolutely. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, that, it, much worse than that. You know, trying to sneak in a butt or two will, could cost you six months in the clink. That would not be... Uh... You, know what,
2: this is, you, you, know, you know what's coming next? What? Once they pull this off and not too many people get killed or thrown in jail... The NFL's next.
1: What do you mean? The Super Bowl's in some other country?
2: No, no, not the you... Super Bowl, but how they play these games now, and they're playing in Germany this year for oh, the first time. right, right. There'll be a game in Saudi Arabia or Qatar within five years.
1: Well, I mean, if Saudi Arabia is going to take some of that oil money and offer the same kind of money to the NFL that they've offered to all these live tour players, yeah. the NFL might take it. The NFL really doesn't need it, though, um, because the NFL uh, is really they, this country's juggernaut. But they're
2: juggernaut. hip on expansion. They're hip uh, on expansion. But you, that's you, that's you, what the NFL is into right now.
1: Do you know how long we've been talking expansion. about this? Do you know how long we've been talking about international expansion? I, I guarantee you at some point within the last 10 years with me, you predicted a team in Europe by 2015 no, or 2017. No, I
2: didn't. No, I never thought they'd put a franchise there. I thought they would continue just putting games there. I never thought they would put a fran- uh, an NFL franchise there. They're playing a couple games in Mexico this year in addition to a game in Germany, and then you have the English games a- as well. Uh, the Saudis have already said their goal is to host the Olympics. So there's going to be an NFL game in, in, in Qatar or Saudi Arabia within five years. Okay. Uh,
1: maybe Is that your bold prediction? For the year, see you just you just knocked yeah. off one of Am the I things done? I asked you to do. You're done. Am I done? Is that you're, it? You're done. You know there are only there are five international games this year. I don't think that's an increase, is it? Isn't that pretty much what the NFL's done for several years know. now? Um, but
2: they have, it's their first game in Germany. First
1: game in Germany. That's that's right. First yeah. one in Germany, and the Germans apparently love the NFL. Uh, and then they're playing in Mexico City where they played a couple times and they had a game canceled there, remember, a few years ago when the field conditions were so awful. And then they're playing three games um, in the U.K., two at Tottenham and one at Wembley. So there you go. Tonight's game is in Los Angeles, uh, and we'll give a prediction on that and we'll do all of our NFL predictions coming up. I I just – Tom's column today that he just sent me is, I will retweet it, um, 100% will retweet it. I every, Every once in a while, not every once in a while, I would say a lot, very often, reading Tommy's columns, I just start laughing out loud to myself. Sometimes it happens when I'm in front of somebody like my wife and she's like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, Tommy is so good sometimes with his columns. And I'm just going to read to all of you. And we're not, this is not a bash the team, you know, segment. We're not doing a lot of that today, okay? They, this is predictions. We are going to talk about Carson Wentz a little bit. Um, but Tommy's um, column um, starts with, The Washington Commanders have so many ghosts of Christmas past investigating the franchise that they, that they could haunt a house the size of Skipper Dan Snyder's mansion. As of press time, and this really is remarkable as you started to list them, and I know you did this the other day on the podcast, but still to see it in print is even more jarring. As of press time, note the possibility of a Friday news dump of the results of one of these investigations. Um, there are seven, seven different probes into Skipper Dan the Sailing Man and his football team. The House Committee on Oversight and Reform, the Federal Trade Commission, the Virginia Attorney General, the D.C. Attorney General, the NFL, which has two going on, the Mary Jo White probe into the Tiffany Johnston sexual allegations, by the way, as your editor, I would have said, and the financial impropriety allegations, that's part of the Mary Jo White review as well, you didn't write that, You, you need a better editor. Um, and the questions surrounding fired head trainer Ryan Vermilion's drugstore. <laughs> and the NFLPA also reportedly looking into the possibility of wrongdoing stemming from the Vermillion scandal. And let me add a possible eighth inquiry by the Maryland Attorney General. That's nearly enough for a Dick Wolf law and order. Washington Commanders series. The ninth investigation starts Sunday at Ghost Town Field. The examination of this team's ability to compete and win, which at least a segment of the remaining Commanders fan focus group, I'm glad I could give you that one, likely cares about the most. You're getting some mileage out of the focus group line, aren't you?
2: Yes, I am. It's it's a good one.
1: (laughs) In the ways that the NFL does business, this one, the opening the opening game against the Jacksonville Jaguars may mean the most. After all, ultimately, it is the game that typically runs roughshod over everything else, the football that eventually blocks out all the other noise. Typically, though, most teams don't face the intensity of the noise facing the commanders. It may take a lot of football to drown out the sometimes deafening self-destructive noise that has consumed this football team. The aura of self-destruction has never been stronger. And then this is where it starts to get pretty fun. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because I want people to go read it. And I'll retweet it. And you can go to Tommy's um, Twitter page at Tom uh, at Tom lavero and read it as well. Head coach Ron Rivera who walks around with a box of handy wipes to tell everyone that his hands are clean of the infection. <laughs> Hold on, let me read it again. Head coach Ron Rivera, who walks around with a box of handy wipes to tell everyone that his hands are clean of the the infection, and then you write parenthetically, who is this Ryan Vermillion person you speak of as if Ron Rivera – I don't have anything to do with him – now has the opportunity to have his team judged by his standards on the field. A win over the Jaguars, a train wreck last season under one-and-done coach Urban Meyer, will be the first piece of evidence he can produce to make his case then you quote Rivera. The important thing is it's football. I'm here to be judged on that, okay? The judgment starts with winning and losing closed quote. Tommy's column continues to date the judgment to date, the judgment on the field hasn't been good in Rivera's first two seasons in Washington, a 2-year record of 14 and 19 and one accidental NFC East division title. But that's forgotten history, teams that we don't speak of anymore. The Redskins and their nameless offspring uh, you got this wrong, too, the Washington Football Club. Remember, they they were the Washington football team. Um, okay. <laughs> are you upset that's that right. I'm editing as I'm they going were. along?
2: No, no, you're right. They were.
1: But that's forgotten history. Teams that we don't speak of anymore, the Redskins and their nameless offspring, the Washington Football Club. No, this is the new era of Commanders. You remember? The new name the team unveiled right here at Ghost Town Field on that infamous February 2nd with all the fanfare of an opening of a new 7-Eleven. <laughs> and then you get into the whole, they've been telling people that they have a quarterback, and then you get into a whole thing about Carson Wentz that is pretty funny as well. Uh, read Tommy's column today. They're, they're quick reads. They are quick reads, and you know that um, even if we didn't have the relationship we have, well, then again, I don't know if I would be reading your columns because of the website situation, but if I if we, even if I didn't uh, have the relationship that I have with you, I would would have been reading Tom Laverro columns for years. Because in many ways, like Sally, the two of you of all of the columnists in town are the two that are utterly fearless and can be really, really, um, you know, sort of quick funny in your columns. Actually, you're funnier than Sally. Sally's wicked. Sally really goes yes. for the jugular, which you do too. But you use humor to get there, and she doesn't always do that. That's what I would say is the difference between the two of you. Um, maybe she well, has thank more words for all
2: these kind words. Now I feel bad about not completing the assignment.
1: Well, that was the purpose. Okay. Uh, before we, but get, I
2: think you'll be happy with how much I got done.
1: I bet. Well, I know you 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 you, you fake it as quickly and as as well as anybody else does. Um, I just want to g- real quickly give out some props to Francis Tiafo, who won again yesterday, dominated Andre Rublev. He's the first American to make it to the U.S. Open semifinals since 2006 when Andy Roddick made the semifinals. He is the first black American ma- man to make um, the U.S. Open semifinals since Arthur Ashe did it. So I, I've, I've, I really have. Even though I'm not super into tennis anymore, I really have followed the story of Francis Tiafoe and his results, especially at all these majors, ever since Liz Clark wrote a column about him when he was 16 years old, eight years ago in 2014 and we told the story of Tiafo the other day and i interviewed a guy from the jt um, uh, the jtcc uh, college park tennis complex for the radio show yesterday he basically you know saw francis from age 5 pick up the racket for the first time and has been a big part of the career a lot of people in in tiafo's box yesterday others not even in the box but they're like bradley Beal and uh, KCP was there. Contavious Caldwell-Pope was there. Some of the Wizards were there. Beal's been there for, for all of his matches. Um, Mark Ein, the owner of the Washington Castles, has known the Tiafo family forever. He was in the box. Um, I, it's kind of exciting. I, I'm, I can't wait to watch his match tomorrow night with, with one of the real up-and-coming stars, people have told me, Carlos Alcaraz from Spain. He's 19, Tommy. And his match last night, quarterfinal match... Uh, against um, uh, against Sinner, the Italian, ended at 2:50 a.m. this morning. A five-hour, fifteen-minute epic men's quarterfinal with Alcaraz advancing, and he plays Tiafo tomorrow night. So I, I'm happy for Tiafo. He's from here, grew up in Hyattsville. You know, the family came emigrated from Sierra Leone. Um, it's just a great story, and he's quite the personality too. Not only is he charismatic as kind of an interview and a and a player to watch, his game is exciting to watch. I think he can win the whole thing. I mean, it's wide open. There's no Djokovic. There's no Nadal. There's right. no Federer. This thing is wide open for the men for the first time in a long, long time. Do you have anything I think to say? It would be
2: great. No, I just think it would be great for the area uh, to have to be able to root for somebody like him. And uh, I was a big, I was wasn't a big fan, but I was a fan of tennis during the uh, Connors, McEnroe, Borg era. Yeah, I know. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I I would love to watch it again. I, I'm rooting for him.
1: Uh, that one's tomorrow night. Um, I, I think it's tomorrow night. There's two, there are two men's semifinals tomorrow, one at three, one at seven. I would assume that Alcaraz and Tiafoe are going to be the night primetime match um, because the other uh, semifinal isn't nearly as compelling. By the way, real one, one last quick tennis thing. Jessica Pagula, who is, I think, ranked eighth in the world, and she played a, quarter, a quarterfinal match last night um, before the uh, long match between Alcaraz and Center. Her parents are Terry and Kim Pagula. They're the owners of the Buffalo Bills. Um, Big Penn State family. Uh, The ice rink uh, in State College um, is named after it's the Pagula Center or the Pagula Ice Rink or whatever it is. Um, She played last night. She lost in two sets to the number one seed, uh, Iga Switek. I think her name is pronounced as. Afterwards, Tommy, I don't know if you saw this on social media, Afterwards, in the press conference, Jessica Pegula was sucking down a Heineken.
2: I don't. Good for her. I can't remember. I don't like her. I don't like her. What was it? Was it a, a, a no alcohol Heineken?
1: No, no, no. It was a real beer, and she was okay
2: because I know people who drink high zero alcohol Heineken.
1: No, uh, it it could have been, but she was asked by somebody in the press conference it's okay. pretty cool you're drinking a Heineken j- and she said I'm paraphrasing here I've got a I've got a pee for a dope test and oh. I just lost so I think I deserve it
2: Yeah, you know, it would have been much cooler being from you know where her family's from that if they uh are they from like the Buffalo area
1: I don't know if they're Pennsylvania people or Buffalo people. Um, I'll look that up. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know that.
2: Well, I mean, it would have been cool if she was drinking the Genesee Cream Ale. That.
1: That's an upstate New York universe. beer. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they Pennsylvania, oh, the, the, the old man, Terry, uh, Terry Pagula, Penn State guy, but, and grew up in, in Pennsylvania, but he owns okay. this, the, the, oh, before buying the bills, he was the owner of the Sabres. Um, okay. His wife, Kim Pagula, I think she's sick, actually. I think I read that recently. Um, Yeah, here it is. In June 2022, uh, Kim Pagula was hospitalized in intensive care in Boca Raton for reasons the family would not disclose. Pagula's daughter, Jessica, later stated that her mother's condition had improved by the time her appearance at Wimbledon and was rehabilitating. Yeah, her father and brother were in her box last night. Um, But the mother wasn't. So, you know, anyway, uh, hopefully she's getting better. And the Bills, you know, the father and son and probably Jessica jumped on what I would certainly imagine to be private transportation to Los Angeles for tonight's Bills-Rams season opener, the kickoff to the NFL season. Uh, Speaking of the NFL season... All of our NFL predictions, including our commander's predictions, next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: We will get to uh, our NFL predictions here. Also, I have some season prop bets uh, that I gave out last year that did pretty well, much better than the smell test did last year. Um, and uh, I've got a couple of season prop bets that I will tell you uh, that I have already made.
2: I've got, I've got one thing I'd like to uh, add before we close out the show as well. Okay, it very won't be long.
1: Very good. I, can I predict what it's going to be about?
2: No, you can't. It's not, you don't want to predict this. It's, it's something solemn.
1: Oh, it's something solemn. Um, because yeah. today is the 50 year anniversary of something that I, I wanted to talk about in the final segment of the show. Uh, what I wanted to say, say to everybody is yesterday we talked about some of the Carson Wentz rankings, 27th, uh, in the, um, Uh, in the ringer, uh, the 27th ranked quarterback. We talked about that. What a joke it was that he's 27th. To have guys uh, like, you know, I don't care about Daniel Jones as much as guys like Geno Smith and Marcus Mariota in front of him. I mean, he's not the 27th best quarterback in the league. He's not. Um, Yesterday, uh, 538 Sports, you know, the analytics Nate Silver um, uh, production put out their list of the quarterbacks uh, and they ranked every quarterback right now on an NFL roster uh, for this opening weekend. So essentially that's you know three times 32, somewhere in the neighborhood of 96. Not every team has three quarterbacks. Some have two on the roster. Um, Carson Wentz was the 34th ranked quarterback in the league. C.J. Bethard, who will be backing up Trevor Lawrence on Sunday for Jacksonville, was 33rd Bobby Beathard's grandson, who's never been a starter in the NFL, Nick Mullins, who we made fun of a few years ago because the defense was piling up all these big games against some of these backup quarterbacks like Ben DiNucci and Ryan Finley and Nate Sudfeld and Nick Mullins. I actually like Nick Mullins and the way he's played in the NFL. So do I. But, uh, but I but, like
2: Nick Mullins too.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Taylor Heineke um, in Nick Mullins actually. Yeah. Although Mullins, I think, is bigger. Um, but anyway, but Mullins think, look, came in at 32.
2: What you can't deny, deny this—that this is the conversation about Carson Wentz around the league. No matter whether you agree with it or not, this is the conversation about Carson Wentz in the NFL right now.
1: Uh, it's much more of a conversation outside of this market. It's much more yeah. of a national conversation where there isn't great belief in Carson Wentz. I asked JP this yeah. yesterday on the podcast. He and I, talk, I talked about it. Um, and maybe he brought it up. I forget. But I wonder if this negative, you know, sort of predicting of Carson Wentz's future would be the same had he landed in another NFL city. It's I don't a-
2: know it would be that much different, uh, although that's a reasonable conclusion because like, part of the reason I'm skeptical is this is not the place typically where people go to get their careers right. Yeah. you know, This is not where, where people go to get straightened out uh, typically. Uh, I don't know if it would be that much different or not.
1: Now, there was a, a solid ranking yesterday. NFL.com came out with their list of quarterbacks, one through 32, the starting quarterbacks, and he was 20th. And to me, I've said you know for a while now, somewhere between 17 and 21 is where I would have him right now, but with a ceiling that's higher than some of the guys in front of him, several of the guys in front of him. I'm skeptical as to whether or not he will you know reach it um but uh that that is you know not to me unreasonable thirty four with c j Bethard and Nick Mullins and Geno Smith and uh drew Locke in front of them oh, and Colt McCoy in front of him Colt McCoy came in at twenty two
2: well- That goes without saying. I don't even know why that would be a surprise. Well,
1: Kirk Cousins was nine on this list. Um, Mitch Trubisky came in at 12 on this list. So, the 538, you know, intensive analytics, you know, site, uh, you know, we watch these games with our own eyes. We don't just look at numbers. And Mitch Trubisky's not the 12th best quarterback in the NFL. And by the way, Kirk Cousins isn't the ninth best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Colt McCoy certainly isn't the 22nd best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, they had they had Joe Burrow one spot ahead of Trubisky, and they had Russell Wilson one spot behind Trubisky. Real quickly, just as an aside, uh, I'm not going to go through all of it. Uh, I did that on radio this morning. But there was a really good story about the Russell Wilson saga in Seattle written um, yesterday on ESPN.com. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the, uh, the story to, to give the uh, author credit, but just search it. It's the basically taking you through the whole Russell Wilson saga of not the last year or the last two years, but the last five years. The relationship between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks has been deteriorating for half a decade now. There is stuff in that story that I found really, really interesting and surprising. We're talking about one of the great quarterbacks of the last 10 years, a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, Russell Wilson is a future Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't think that that's crazy to say. I mean, he's a Super Bowl winner. He's been in another one. His over, I just pulled up his his career. His overall record as a starting quarterback. For those of you that think that it's only about the record, okay, he is fifty-one games above five hundred as a starter. He is. You know, it's not. It's not even close. He's a three-time All-Pro player. Um, he is a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine-time Pro Bowler. Of course, he's a lock. First-ballot Hall of Famer. Guess what? In 2017, John Schneider, the GM, who just for uh, memory uh, reasons and reminder reasons, was here in Washington with Marty Schottenheimer in 2001. Um, John Schneider went to private workouts for Patrick Mahomes, who he was in love with. And this story claims Seattle in 2017 would have taken Mahomes had he fallen to them. And then in 2018 went out, to Josh Allen's private uh, workouts. And in 2018, the Seahawks offered Russell Wilson to the Cleveland Browns for the number one overall pick in the draft. And Cleveland didn't take it and instead drafted, drafted Baker Mayfield.
2: That's unbelievable. That's remarkable stuff.
1: Why did the relationship deteriorate? Lots of reasons. Um, Russell Wilson didn't think they were doing enough to protect him. Russell Wilson didn't like sometimes the emphasis on the rush attack offensively. Um, And then the fact that they found out that that he had been shopped to Cleveland in 2018 really changed the ball game. The irony is he signed a long-term contract right after that trade uh, thing fell through. The agent knew about it. But remember, even before this past off-season, last off-season, the 2021 off-season, he put out that list of the four teams that he would he would accept a trade to even though he has a no-trade clause. And then um, the, in the story as well is, you know, confirmation that Washington uh, the Saints And the Giants, along with the Broncos, were the biggest suitors for Russell Wilson in the offseason. Wilson wanted Denver, according to the story. Schneider really wanted to trade him outside of the conference. And Denver had much more ammo. Washington didn't have a quarterback that they liked. um, And Seattle liked uh, Drew Locke. Schneider liked uh, Drew Locke. Ironically, he's not going to be the starter on opening day. Geno Smith beat him out. The other thing, too, if I didn't mention it already, that was a a prevailing theme in this story is that the people in Seattle, many people in Seattle, just don't think Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson anymore. They think he's deteriorating and they think Denver is getting, you know, a shell of what Russell Wilson used to be, even though, by the way, I'll just add that he played really good football at the end of last year after he got healthy anyway. Uh, let's get to our NFL predictions for 2022. We'll save the commanders for last Here, Let's start with the AFC. I'll give you my division winners in the three wild cards, and then I want yours. I think Buffalo's going to win the AFC East. I think Cincinnati will beat out Baltimore. In fact, I like the Bengals to be good this year. They're being downplayed a little bit after making the Super Bowl uh, last year. They're, 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 you know, A lot of people believe they're just better teams like Buffalo and Kansas City and Denver and the Chargers and even Baltimore in the AFC. I like Cincinnati this year. I like them to win the AFC North. I like Indianapolis, and you'll hear it in my prop bets. I really like the Colts this year. I, like, I think they win the AFC South. I've got the Chiefs and maybe the most competitive top-to-bottom NFL division going into a season that we've ever seen, the AFC West. I've got the Chiefs winning the West, and my three wild cards are the Chargers, the Broncos with Russell Wilson, and the Baltimore Ravens. Tommy, give me your AFC division winners and wild card teams.
2: Okay. I've got the Bills winning the AFC East. Uh, with a 12 and five record, uh, I've got the Patriots finishing. Second we're not doing behind them.
1: We, okay, we're not okay. doing the whole divisions. Re- the, okay,
2: okay, I got the AFC West. I have the Chiefs with a comfortable 13 and four mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, the AFC North. I have the Bengals winning. I mean, I have the Ravens winning 10 to seven. Uh, winning, winning with a 10 AFC, and
1: seven record.
2: 10 and seven record. Yep. And the AFC South, I have the Colts winning with an eleven and six record.
1: Okay. Who are your three wild cards? Wild cards
2: cards for the AFC are the the Chargers, the Bengals, and the Titans.
1: Bengals and Titans. Didn't you last year, actually I'm reminded of this, you know, as you were bitching about making all these picks, when we did it last year, you picked the Titans to be in the Super Bowl. Yes, I did. And they were. I'm sorry? What'd you they say? Not. No, they weren't. But they had an they, incredible regular right. season. I uh-huh. know they, they were the number. They, they were the. Uh, they were the one seed, weren't they? I think they they were the one seed in the AFC playoffs last year. So that was a pretty good job to pick the Titans last year. You got the Titans as a wild card. All right, my AFC title game: the Bills over the Chargers. The Bills go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. What's yours?
2: I have the Bills and the Chargers in the AFC title game. I have the Chargers winning that game and going to the Super Bowl.
1: Nice. Um, I was really close to having the Colts in that AFC championship game, and I thought about the Chargers winning as well. So we have the same game. We've got different Super Bowl teams out of the AFC. You've got the Chargers in the Super Bowl. I have the Bills in the Super Bowl. Uh, My AFC MVP is Josh Allen. Who's yours?
2: And I've got Justin Herbert as my AFC MVP.
1: That's a good one. I mean, uh, you got the Chargers winning the AFC title game, you got them in the Super Bowl, and you've got Justin Herbert uh, as your AFC MVP. All right, just a couple of other quick things on the AFC, and we'll do this with the NFC as well. Give me a team that you consider to be a sleeper that's going to be better than most people think and, and a team that will kind of underperform.
2: Well, my overachiever, I mean, I, I struggle with this. Uh, I don't think uh, – are a lot of people picking the Chargers to win to go to the AFC title game?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people like the Chargers this year.
2: Okay, well, then I don't have a, a – a, a, a sleeper team? A, an overachiever. Okay. Yeah, I, and I the, my underachieving team would be the Raiders. The Raiders? primarily, yeah. I, mean, in I Ma- got them at the bottom of, of, of that competitive division. With okay. a
1: losing record, um, my overperforming teams, and I've got two of them, are the Colts because I think it's more than them just being a division winner. I think they're going to make some noise in the postseason. I think they're going to win a, a lot of regular, uh, a lot of regular season games as well. And I like the Jets to be better than most people think they will be. Now they're not going to have Zach Wilson. Joe Flacco is going to start the first four games, and I know many of you are like, Sheehan loves that. He loves Flacco." Um, They've just got a lot of weapons. The Jets actually have a ton of weapons uh, on that team. Uh, I think the Jets are going to be improved. Underperforming, I'm with you. I think the Raiders will be an underperforming team. All right, let's get to the NFC. Um, Because you've got the Chargers in the Super Bowl. I've got Buffalo in the Super Bowl. I like, uh, in the NFC, I like Philly in the East, and I've been saying this all along. I think the Eagles are a Jalen Hurts step up from where he was last year, not even a major step up, a moderate step up from where he, uh, where he was a year uh, ago to like 12-plus wins and the one seed. I think they have that kind of potential. I like the Vikings in the north. I really do. I think the Packers could take a step back, and I think Kevin O'Connell is going to make a big difference They are certainly loaded on offense. They just have to be a little bit better defensively because they weren't very good last year on defense. I've got Minnesota in the north. Uh, I do have in the south the Saints, and you will hear in my prop bets that it's my favorite prop bet of the year. I'll get to that uh, momentarily. I like the Saints to win the south, the Rams the defending champions to win the west, and then my wild cards – are the 49ers, Packers and Cowboys. Give me your division winners and your three wild cards in the NFC.
2: Okay, uh in the AFC, in the NFC East, like you, I have the Eagles uh and because they have such a great roster of a players. They have the most talent. I've got them winning 12 games. Uh in the uh, NFC West, I have the Rams as a division winner, winning thirteen games uh, over in the NFC West. I've got the Packers winning the NFC North with a twelve and five record. In the NFC South, I have the Bucks uh, winning the division with ten and seven.
1: Okay, and your wild card teams?
2: My wild card teams in the NFC are the uh, Eagles. No, 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 no. Wild card teams that the Vikings, Cowboys, and 49ers.
1: Vikings, Cowboys, and Niners. So neither one of us has Washington in the postseason uh, this year. Uh, my NFC championship game, the team that I'm really, really intrigued with, I just think that they have a chance, and I know that they've got left tackle issues. Charch, uh, Paul uh told me this morning that even the backup may not go in the opener uh, for them on Sunday, which is a problem. You know, that's Jameis Winston's blind side. I'm a James, I've am i always been a Jameis Winston fan. I think there's a second act to his career. I know I've called for that for two straight seasons, or I called for it last year anyway, and he got injured. Uh, I've got the NFC Championship game in what should be a wide-open NFC, the Saints over the Eagles. So I've got a Buffalo saints super bowl
2: that's pretty bold statement for the saints considering they're not coached by sean payton i
1: know dennis allen by the way would be coach of the year if that were to happen
2: yes yeah now what is my nfc title game yeah the rams and the vikings
1: the rams and the vikings wow you got the vikings as a wild card making it to the nfc championship game okay yes and who wins the nfc uh, championship game Rams it's going to be an
2: all-Los Angeles Super Bowl, except they're not going to be playing in Los Angeles.
1: You've got a Chargers-Rams Super Bowl. I have a Buffalo Saints Super Bowl. I will give you my Super Bowl winner tomorrow, but I want Tommy's Super Bowl winner today. Who wins the Super Bowl, the Rams or the Chargers?
2: I think the Chargers do.
1: Okay. Uh, do you have an NFC MVP?
2: Yes, I do. Everybody, listen closely. Kirk Cousins.
1: <laughs> you know, it is a regular season award. You've got them in the NFC Championship yes. game, but you only had them uh, as a um, as a wild card team.
2: I got them winning eleven and six. I got them winning okay. eleven games. Oh, all right, one less than the Packers.
1: Okay, I, I'm just saying that usually yeah. the MVP is usually a quarterback. And it's usually from a team that's, you know, threatening the one seed is in a 5, 6, or 7 I know, seed. But,
2: but the conversation about Kirk Cousins, uh, if it finally matches his talent, could change dramatically this year. And because it would change dramatically, I think that people would fall over themselves to reward him for it.
1: You know, Michael Irvin had him as his surprise MVP uh, pick. I can't. I, I, I actually think it's worth the the plus five thousand, plus four thousand dollar price uh, on him. And look, it's not. Everybody knows that I'm a Kirk Cousins fan, um, but I also recognize very much his limitations and have spoken to those over the years as well. The reason that a few people here and there have said Kirk Cousins is a reasonable bet is because of Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Irv Smith, Dalvin Cook, and Kevin O'Connell. Kevin yes. O'Connell is uh, the first coach since Jay, because Jay did like Kirk, you know, much more than than people thought at the time. I mean, Jay's been on the podcast a ton. Jay will be on the podcast tomorrow, by the way. Um, and, uh, you know, he was in a battle with Mike Zimmer for the four seasons uh, preceding this one in Minnesota, he, he was with a coach that wanted to run the football, play good defense, um, and you know not you know put the team at risk uh, too much offensively. And even with that coach, you know he's put up thirty-three and seven last year, thirty-four and whatever it was the year before. So a lot of people do like him. I'm not going out on a limb uh, there. I my my NFC. I'm going to go out on a limb somewhere else. My NFC MVP. Is Jameis Winston the Saints? You yeah, know, you. well, you
2: are really in on these
1: guys. I'm in on the Saints. Remember, I was in on the Eagles last year. You know, before the season started, and I really liked their chances to be a playoff team when no one thought they were going to be a playoff team. There are people that think the Saints will be a playoff team. Um, Michael Thomas is back. Jarvis Landry's a Saint. Chris Olave they drafted after they traded with Washington and moved up. They still have one of the best, you know, uh, versatile backs in the game in Camara. They still have a thumper in Ingram. Their offensive line's got some issues right now at left tackle, and then their defense is loaded. I I, I like this team to be, you know, a team that is definitely in the playoff mix when we get there. And yeah, th- this is a bit bold. But, you know, I say every year, the NFL is the most unpredictable league, and you're going to have a couple of teams that you had you just never saw coming. And I think it's going to be the Saints, and I think it's going to be Jameis Winston who ends up having a career year. He's got some weapons to work with. Uh, I, I like the Saints to uh, – to be in the Super Bowl, and I like Winston to be the MVP. I can't wait to see the reaction from everybody on this one. My underperforming team in the NFC is a team that I did not put in the postseason, and that is Tampa Bay. I just think there's something weird going on with Brady, you know, whether it's a family thing and missing camp, and then they've got all of those injuries to the offensive line. Um, And I'm a big Todd Bowles fan, so I don't want this to happen. I want them to have some success with Todd Bowles at head coach. But I think this is a step back year for for Tampa. And then my um overperforming team is easy. It's the Saints. Uh underperforming yeah. Bucks, overperforming Saints. Uh who who's your underperforming sleeper and who is uh your overperforming sleeper and your underperforming team?
2: Well my overperforming team are the Vikings yeah, right. I have them making it to the NFC title game. Right. Uh, and they're a wild card team. Right. My underperforming team were the Cardinals. That's a good uh, one. I think it's a bad organization. Uh, I think the mess that they went with the offseason where they had language written into, uh, you know, Murray's contract where he had to do film study and they could dock him pay if he didn't. Now, supposedly, they took that out of there. Uh, I just think that that's that smells like uh, the aura of self-destruction out there in, uh, in Arizona.
1: I think that's a good one. I thought about them. I don't have them in the postseason. Um, I, don't, I don't know. They were not a good football team at the end of last year. And, God, that was one dreadful performance in the playoff loss oh. against the Rams. Huh. I mean, it really was. It
2: was cover-your-eyes performance. It was terrible.
1: I mean, you know, it could be one of those where it was the first for Kingsbury, the first for Kyler Murray, and maybe they come back, but they're not going to have Hopkins, you know, for several games. I'm not a fan of the Cardinals either. Um, Before we get to our Washington Commanders predictions for the season and the NFC East specific uh, predictions, let me give you a couple of my prop bets that I've made already. Um, I took the Saints over eight and a half wins. Last year, my prop bets outperformed my, the smell test. I had four. They just, you know, coincidentally came from the same division. I had Philadelphia over. I had Dallas over. I had Washington under their season totals in wins. And I had the Giants over. I went three and one on those picks. I was right about Washington, Dallas, and Philly, wrong about the Giants. It was just a coincidence that all of my preseason season season total bets last year were all out of the NFC East. This year, I I placed five wagers um, on season totals. I took the Saints over eight and a half. I took the Colts over nine and a half wins. I took Cincinnati over nine and a half wins. I like Cincinnati this year. I took Philly over 9.5 wins, and that's painful for me because if I had played Philly, and I had a hunch about Philly you know, a while ago, not that it's going to turn out to be right, but I was, I was feeling Philly two months ago when their number was at 8.5. Now it's 9.5, and, and by the way, I'm paying minus 125 on the overplay, which is pricey. Um, and then my last uh, season prop bet, Tampa, under 11.5. So I've got the Saints over 8.5, Indy over 9.5, the Bengals over 9.5, Philly over 9.5 wins, and Tampa under 11.5. If you're wondering if I considered Washington, whose number is 7.5, going over, I did, but it's very pricey to play them on the over right now. You got to lay like minus 145 you know, somewhere in that neighborhood with the sites that, that I play on. Um, and I, you know, I, I said the other day, I said seven is the floor, you know, nine is the ceiling. And, you know, I, I think they can, I, put it this way. If you forced me to wager on Washington season total, I would play the over. I would. And I played the under last year, but I would play the over this year. Uh, but I, I don't love it enough to put money on it. I just don't love it enough to put money on it. So there you go. Those are my season prop bets. Uh, So let's get to Washington, Tommy. Um, Final record prediction with one bold prediction on their season. You want to go first?
2: Okay. Final record prediction is eight and nine. Okay. Uh, Another losing season under Ron Rivera. Uh, I already gave my bold prediction that Carson Wentz will, will be gone as the starting quarterback by, what, the uh, game 10? Week 10, you said. Yeah. Uh, week 10, something like that.
1: Ben, let me ben- add Benched, something to by it. the way, benched. Not injured, benched.
2: I don't – okay, okay, I'll have to stick with that.
1: Whatever. We. I think we uh, went through this and you said maybe injured too. Fine, I'll just give you week 10, no matter how it happens. That's okay. fine.
2: Okay. Okay. I'm going to add a second poll uh, prediction. Okay. Jack Del Rio is fired during the season.
1: Yeah, a lot of people have that one. A lot of people have that one. All right, my final. And it could have
2: nothing to do with football.
1: What will it have to do with? He's going to say it could something have stupid. Nothing to
2: do with football.
1: He's going to do say something stupid on Twitter because he can't help I think, himself.
2: I think he's, I oh, think God. Voodoo Jack has it in him.
1: They'll be talking to uh, D.C. Like, there'll be this big story. D.C. and Washington talking about a stadium. And then Del Rio will tweet something about the election on on the second Tuesday of November. uh, The midterms. Um, And then, uh, no, we're done. All right. My final record prediction for the inaugural season of the expansion team known as the Washington Commanders. This is such a cop-out. Because I really feel 8-9... and but I went eight, eight, and one. <laughs> With the tie, I'm going to give you the date and the night that they end up tying. They're going to tie the... You sh- should.
2: You should. Because you're, I mean, to go out of your way to predict a tie in a 17-game season...
1: Yeah. It was the way I got to 500. really
2: something... It's really something you should apologize for.
1: So let's hear... (laughs) Okay, well, I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, On Thursday night, October 13th, they they go to Soldier Field to face the Bears, and it's going to be one hideous night weather-wise and game-wise as the Bears and the Commanders fight it out to a 13-13 tie at Soldier Field. (laughs) There you go. That's my... That's my season prediction. That's a pretty good one. Uh, My my bold prediction, which I think I just made the bold prediction, which is that they would tie Chicago uh, on October 13th. But my bold prediction is that the rush defense struggles this year and is a big reason for a non-playoff season. I'm not convinced that defensively, they're ready to stop some of the rush attacks they're, gonna, they're going to face this year. They didn't last year, and everybody was so... Well, they had a good run defense, and they were 7th DVOA against the run. I'm not so convinced of it. And it will put a lot of pressure on Rivera at the end of the year to move on from Del Rio, because at 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, they'll be in contention. They'll be in the mix for that seven seed. You know, if as long as the... You know, wins five, six, seven, and eight don't come at the very end of the year when they're already out of it. You know, assuming kind of a back and forth year, which is what I'm. Uh, I'm. That's what I'm predicting. You know, a win here, two losses there, a win there. You know, a loss there, two wins there, a tie here, and then a win and a loss, and you're going back and forth, and you get to December, and you're like six, six, and one. You're going to actually be in the mix. But they're not going to be able to stop the run. It's going to be a big issue for them defensively. That's my bold prediction, and that will be, at the end of the year, one of the reasons, a big reason why we say the defense just wasn't good enough. You know, It wasn't well-rounded enough, and they ended up missing out on the postseason by a game and a half or whatever. All right, NFC East predictions. I'll go first. Philly 12-5. Uh, A quick, bold prediction on Philadelphia. They'll have the best offensive team in the NFC statistically. They'll lead the NFC in total offense. Uh, Dallas at 10-7. Micah Parsons wins the Defensive Most Valuable Player Award. Beats out Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, and Nick Bosa. He is going to be unstoppable this year. Washington comes in third at eight, eight and one, and then the Giants finish seven and 10. They're a more competitive team than you think. And Ogilari, as Ogilari, their outside linebacker, is a pro Bowler this year for the Giants. He was really good as a rookie. I think that he has a chance to become a star in the NFL. He ends up making the Pro Bowl. For the Giants, so I've got Philly twelve and five, Dallas ten and seven, Washington eight eight and one, and the Giants seven and ten. Tommy, your NFC East predictions.
2: Uh, I have the Eagles at twelve and five, and let me say something about the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I still think they can wind up with this record, even if Gardner Minshew is their quarterback. I
1: know they've got a very good backup. By quarterback. the time the
2: season ends. Yep. Yes. Cowboys at ten and seven, Commanders at eight and nine, and I have the Giants at six and eleven.
1: Okay, Giants at six and eleven. I'm writing all these down. Uh, we've got Washington being really a competitive team this year. You know, we have. You've got them well, winning more games You've got them winning more. Well, they were two and six at the halfway mark, and pretty damn close Play to being ball. zero and eight. So right. I, I I don't I don't I don't necessarily agree with those that say you know they were pretty they were competitive last year. The people that including you that say well they won seven last year with Taylor Heineke against a brutal schedule they better win a lot more than seven this year. Every year is different as we know, and that team was dreadful during the first half of the season. Dreadful. I mean they were. A Dexter Lawrence offsides call and a Taylor Heineke balloon throw into the un- end zone in Atlanta that Terry McLaurin somehow came down with away from being 0 and eight. So I they, they were much closer their final record seven and ten to five and twelve than they were to nine and eight. And I know people will say, well, they got injured and they had all the COVID and they would have won more games down the stretch. It, was, it just wasn't a good football team. Now, during that four-game stretch, they played very well. Remember we said, as they got ready for the Dallas game, are they just playing well, or are they actually a good football team right now? I think I may have said in the moment, they're actually not a bad football team right now at 6-6. Six and six.
2: Well, we've had this discussion going back to when we first started. There's a difference between being a good football team and playing well. And you never seemed always to understand the difference. Yeah, I do. Well, you haven't in the past. You just said you didn't last year when you referred to them as a good football team.
1: I'm just saying we had a conversation when they had won four in a row or maybe prior to that Raiders game. Are they just playing well or have they turned into a good football team? Having that conversation by definition means that I understood the difference. I understand the difference between the two. What I'm saying is, I think that when we were having the conversations, either after the Raiders game and before the Cowboys game, or maybe before the Raiders team, I actually think I said in the moment they're actually turning into a decent football team, and I gave them. I didn't pick them against Dallas, and they got run out of the building by Dallas until the last four minutes of the game. Um, but uh, I, 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 I gave them a chance. I think I can't. I can't remember what I predicted.
2: But anyway. I don't think. I don't think they'll be a good football team this year either.
1: I don't think they'll be a good football team either. I think eight. And all I'm saying with the 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one, and 8-9 and is we're both predicting them to be better than they were last year. Record-wise, we, have them each, yeah. we each have them with an eighth win. I have them with yes, two less that, losses. That's taking
2: into account a much weaker schedule. Maybe. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to, to make them be worse
1: maybe it's a much easier schedule it should be but again you know you know how those things go every year you just never know oh listen listen listen
2: listen this exercise here you know you don't like the schedule game and i know everybody does this but this is as big a hand job as the schedule game
1: (laughs) it Ah, really is by the way you know what they're they're underrated
2: it depends on who's given them.
1: <laughs> they're so they're so <laughs> underrated. Um, but, 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 but anyway, yeah, anyway, go. go.
2: This, this, I mean, we don't have a clue if about any. I think I don't about any of this.
1: <laughs> I know. Nor do I. It's the NFL. Here's what you know. know. You know what? Patrick Mahomes is really good. So the Chiefs will probably be a good team. Josh Allen's exceptional. The Bills will probably be good. Aaron Rodgers is the best. They'll probably be a pretty competitive team. Unless those players get injured and then it all changes for those teams as well. I mean, I'm looking at Washington's schedule and I agree, certainly, you know, they they were given a nice they were given a nice hand job by the league with Jacksonville and Detroit. <laughs> You know, it was like, hey, we've got an expansion team in D.C. It's important for them to get off to a good start. Let's help them out a little bit. I actually think they could have helped out more by giving them Houston and Atlanta. Um, because yeah. I think because I think yeah. Jacksonville and Detroit are actually better teams this year than what they were last year. Actually, I think Houston could be better, too. But, um, you know... Indianapolis could be better than they were last year. They still have the Packers. They have. The, you picked the Titans to win the division. You know they still have teams on their schedule, in t- including four games in their division against teams that we both think will be much better. So getting to eight wins uh, when you're not a good team, which we're both saying they're not, and I have said. Let me just make sure everybody's clear on this. I don't think they're a bad team either. I, I, I don't see them being a bad team. But if they are flirting with 8-9 or 8-8-1, it's very possible that we're in, you know, by the way, their bye week is in December. They play the Giants, then have a bye week, then they come back with the Giants. But, you know, if you're looking at those final four games against the Giants, the 49ers, a Deshaun Watson-led Cleveland Browns team, more likely than not, and Dallas, I'm saying at 8-8-1, you're in mathematical contention for a wild card spot heading down the stretch with your first game during that stretch being against the giants at home so yeah i mean let me just tell you something boys and girls i really hope that's the case i don't have nearly as much passion for this team as i used to i have been very very honest about that but it's so much better And it's so much easier to do these shows, produce this content, and have you guys be into it if they are in the mix. You know, they haven't been in major contention for 30 years, as we know. But just being in the mix after Thanksgiving and having games that matter is more fun than the just absolute painful drudgery of playing out the string there's nothing worse than how many times have they done that meaningful
2: games meaningful games in december are more fun to write about than uh your typical uh your typical december swoon collapse embarrassment i mean we've written that i've written that so many times you know i've run out of words in the dictionary to use that I they come up with a whole, whole new word.
1: There just have been too many of those seasons where you get to that, that stretch of the schedule and you're already talking about the draft and free agency. And it would be better now that the season's longer and it stretches into the second week of January – um, if you've got you know if you've got a couple of meaningful games there uh, down the stretch, and what I'm saying with my record prediction is they will have some games that'll mean something. Look, last year technically they did as well, you know they more than did. I mean that game against the Cowboys was a big game in in mid December at six yeah. and six. They got themselves back into contention, and then you know it kind of fell apart. But it wasn't all their fault. To be fair to them, they had a lot of you know players out. All right, uh, Chargers over the Rams for you, Bills over the Saints for me. Um, obviously, the Saints is the boldest prediction for either one of us in terms of team performance. We're both pretty much in the same spot as far as the commanders go. Uh, we've got them in the same spot in the division, is, is almost identical records. Um, I'm embarrassed giving out 8-8-1, eight, eight, eight but at least I gave you the game that they'll tie in. and uh, And that's it. And tomorrow, um, I'll have, you know, a preview of the Jacksonville game, a pick on the Jacksonville game. Tommy, in the next segment, is going to pick uh, the Jacksonville game since he won't be back tomorrow. But we've got a couple of other things to get to right after these words from a few of our sponsors. All right, Tommy, give me a pick on the game Sunday since you won't be here tomorrow.
2: Okay. I'm going to say uh, Washington manages to win the home opener uh, at Ghost Town Field by a score of 22-16. to
1: 22-16 Washington. I'll have my pick on that yes. tomorrow. Um, let me just tell you that I like Buffalo tonight. There's no smell test pick. Uh, the public's on Buffalo to a certain degree, um, not overwhelmingly. I kind of like the over. A lot of people kind of like the under. Um, two really good defensive teams from last year. Uh, I like Buffalo uh, in a route tonight, 37-17 to 17 over the Rams. I think, you know, the last time we saw Buffalo win a game that mattered was in the playoffs against the Patriots. They had seven offensive drives in the game, and they scored seven touchdowns in that 47-17 win over the Patriots. And then they lost, obviously, one of the all-time great playoff games in NFL history to the Chiefs at Arrowhead, 42-36. to 36. Preseason doesn't matter, but I think I may have mentioned this previously, but in their second pre- uh, preseason game against Denver a few weeks ago, the last time their starters played, their first seven possessions ended in touchdown. Um, the Bills are... Really explosive. They're also well-coached. They're also really good on defense. Um, and uh, I, I think the Rams, with Stafford playing for the first time, and maybe not, you know, they're saying he's 100%. Um, and having a little bit of that Super Bowl hangover, I like the Bills to really, um, you know, uh, handle uh, the Rams tonight uh, with ease. I know you wanted to finish up the show. You had something that you said was solemn that you wanted to mention.
2: Yes. Uh, The news came out this morning that former CNN anchor Bernard Shaw died uh, Wednesday of pneumonia. Wow. Unrelated to COVID, Shaw's family announced in a statement. He was 82. Uh, He was a friend of of Dan Snyder's, and I saw Bernie uh, almost every Sunday for home games for, for the football team there's a little uh, outdoor platform behind where this, the press box and the owners box and the suites are, right. where you can where you can smoke. And I go out there usually pregame, and have a cigar. And he would always be out there, uh, smoking as well. And he was a big fan of our show, yeah. the Sports Fix. And we used to talk about football and politics and and uh, the media business. He was just a Really, really nice guy to uh, talk to. Uh, very sad news. I have some very fond memories of conversations with him.
1: You, I, I remember you telling me that he said he, he, he was a fan of the show. Um, but I, when you said that he was good friends with Dan Snyder, I know that he had been in Dan Snyder's box there for years. But wasn't he also in Jack Kent Cooke's box at RFK, or am I? He,
2: he may have. He probably was. Yeah. I mean, I mean I would think so. I mean, you know, I mean, he made he made his bones as uh uh remember reporting the first Gulf War live from of Baghdad. Course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my that's my memory of him uh in the you know, back in 1991. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, the people that were in Jack Kent Cook's box. Um Leslie Stahl was, right? She was a big uh you know weekly um person in that in that box i'm tr- i'm trying to think of who else i i mean i'm trying to picture back th- you know then i think bernard shaw was i think he was one of the people that probably you know he was just a big fan of the team obviously yes he was yeah um you know back in those years people who weren't from here uh ended up adopting the Redskins as their team because they were so successful. There were so many national media people that weren't from Washington that ended up becoming, you know, swept up into into Redskins fever during those years. Well,
2: because it was the, it was the communal connection back then. Right. I mean, if if you stopped for breakfast at a coffee shop in downtown DC, the person who waited on you was probably a Redskins fan.
1: And it was really, really kind of a big deal to be at games. It was the toughest ticket in town by miles. It was hard to access tickets to home games. And, you know, there were certainly some big games where it was a virtual who's who in the stadium. You know, certainly in some sections of the stadium. Uh, and you know, in, in the, where the general population, like my family sat, uh, section five thirteen, row, 13 seats, one, two, and three upper deck, 10 yard line. It was the same people every week for years. They saw me grow up in that stadium, but yeah, it became, you know, it became a big deal. I think Barbara Walters was sometimes a Jack Kent cook guest Leslie stall. I'm pretty sure was the one more than any other. I I could be missing somebody big time um there. But I think Bernard Shaw may have been a part of that as well. Okay. Um, great job on getting all of the picks together. You did a really nice job, uh, and you're a good sport about it. And I don't know why we have to fight about this every year. You do it every year, and next year you'll, I know. you'll do it oh, again. You,
2: you, you don't like, th- again, it, It's it's the same <laughs> thing as the schedule games, yeah. you know, and you hate that.
1: Well, I hate picking games when the schedule comes out. I like doing the mock schedule. I mean, this is coming from the guy that does the mock schedule. Um, all right, have fun mocking us. Tomorrow on the show, a football Friday. We'll get you ready for Commanders, Jags. Uh, I'll have a smell test tomorrow, and Jay Gruden will be on the show. We'll get his thoughts about the NFL season in week one uh, as well. All right, that's it for the day. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Tommy.
2: All right, boss.